If someone says they want to be dressed as Rambo riding a unicorn over a rainbow, it's like, I'm in, I'm your guy. I'm like, I'll make that happen. This is the Bitcoin Muse, and I'm Clay Ines. This week, on the world's premier Bitcoin art podcast, I'm joined by World of Rusty, a mimetic engineer, a meme artist, a memer. It's hard to find the right term for this lo-fi, brutalist form of messaging, so he's our guide to the abundant world of Bitcoin memes. As a member of the non-existent collective known as the Meme Factory, TM, he's a passionate artist, often consumed by a project for himself or any number of high-profile Bitcoiners. Our conversation started in earnest with some kind words about my podcast and we were off to the races. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with your circles. Ideally, you're listening on a podcasting 2.0 app like Fountain or Breeze, so 10% of those streams can go to OpenSats to fund Bitcoin and other free and open source projects. And be sure to follow Rusty on Twitter, or X, at World of Rusty, and check out his website, worldofrusty.com. All of the links to people and the like mentioned in the show are in the show notes, or at thebitcoinmuse.com slash worldofrusty. And now our conversation. No, I love what you I love what you're doing. I think it's a, it's cool. I started listening to some of them. I'm gonna to listen to more. I, uh, I think it's cool. Obviously, there's a whole world of podcasting out there. There's the breed love level of giant questions about what is money. That's not me. I'm not a macroeconomist. I'm not a think boy. <laughs> you know what that said though. I'm also unbelievably ignorant to this world of mimetic creation, the, the meme factory, the Pepe's. So maybe you can help me understand that space. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I'm pretty new to it as well. But I, uh, you know what? It was interesting. Like, there's this book that goes around and that was quite popular, but not that popular with Bitcoiners called Sapiens. And uh, it's because the author is, um, yeah, he has maybe a, a slightly twisted way of thinking about money that Bitcoiners don't agree with. But one of the interesting things in that book, I, I enjoyed that book for, for the when they talk about the evolution of humans and why Homo sapiens kind of dominated the human species around the world. And one of the things that came up in, in the book, which I kind of find super interesting, is that when you uh, humans can't really you got that Dunbar number where humans can't really remember more than like 150 people. And, and I was kind of, the, all these dots were connecting for me when I was reading this book and it was, um, but the way to create civilization in bigger than 150 people and to coordinate with people that you don't necessarily have to know on a deep level is to come up with a set of ideas or whether that's, um, so, you know, religion is one or, or just some general. And for us, it's obviously being a Bitcoiner. And that enables us to know what a Bitcoiner is, know what the kind of ethics are and the morals of a Bitcoiner are. And then you know, we set up these ideas about what the future is going to be with Bitcoin. And we come up with these kind of, I guess, memes. So the, the, these ideas and these set of codes and morals that we all kind of agree on. And, and I find that fascinating because you talk to any Bitcoiner and you sit down with any Bitcoiner and you can, and straight away, you're just on the same page. You don't have to do the small talk. You don't have to sit down for 20 minutes asking what they do and where they work and all this kind of stuff. You're just on the same page and you can coordinate with Bitcoiners. You know, Bitcoiners have this shared value and a lot of that is value of time. 
because we've understood now that time is money and that clicks more as a Bitcoiner. So I, I think like the memes that we come up with is that kind of set of ideas and thoughts that we all share and that everyone recognizes and that's why they hit home and they send this message around to help people understand these themes that we come up with. So yeah, that's how I'm kind of starting to see this kind of mimetic warfare now is we're just putting out there these ideas that we're thinking and we're doing it in a clever way with graphics and and to get the message out easily. But yeah, it's just like a set of ideas that we're all agreeing on to coordinate with each other. Nico from Simply Bitcoin often says that our memes work because our memes are based in truth and the opposing sides aren't. They have to lie. And that mimetic aesthetic doesn't work when you're lying. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's entirely true, but I kind of like that idea. That is, it is. And it's proven very quickly when you start seeing shitcoin is trying to meme because it's one of the memes of Bitcoin, really. It's like if you're a sh you know, shitcoiners can't meme. And it's because they try, but when you try and send out a message based on something that's not true, it's very obvious straight away and it becomes laughable and not in a good way. So yeah, it's so easy. The whole idea is you, you, you read a meme and you're like, yes, that's it. That's exactly it. It's that realization that yes, that you get me. This picture gets me. It is kind of unbelievable. The aesthetician, if you will, not the guy doing the makeup, but the person who loves beauty and loves craft can sometimes be put off by the sheer brutality. Of the <laughs> It's like, guys, they're just doing it in like MS Paint or something. There's no attention to beauty. But is that part of the aesthetic? Yeah, yeah. So I've had this discussion with the meme fact. So I'm, I'm part of, I don't know if you're familiar with the meme factory. But, uh, you know, uh, Greg and Yellow and, you know, there's a whole bunch of us. And we get together and we always joke about this and the fact that some of the memers, obviously, you don't have to be a graphic artist or anyone that's talented at using Photoshop or any After Effect. You can just be an absolute hack in paint and get your message across if you have the right idea. And, I mean, someone like, I don't know if you know Ropium, he's part of the meme factory and he drops some absolute banger memes and so many of them are just so poorly put together but it doesn't matter the message just gets across so yeah i'm constantly um having that joke with the meme factory because my art is closer to you know looking trying to look realistic or trying to look like beautiful in some way or inspiring and then and then uh, labra comes along with a picture of a dog with a photoshopped head on it and it's like 10 times as funny as <laughs> so yeah it definitely proves that you, you can come at it from any angle going back to sapiens i remember early in that book the role of gossip plays in our species and i think that that's a way for us to quickly measure our place and to evaluate a stranger or someone we haven't totally figured out where they fit in our trust model and i like that this stuff goes up above that because the gossip is in that Dunbar number. Now, memes are hitting absolute strangers. Your audience is planetary, given the internet. And even though we all celebrate beauty, and you yourself sounds like you celebrate beauty, maybe there's something strange in the lo-fi, approachable aesthetic of memes that gives them power. Yeah. Because everyone would lament modern art, like, I could do that, because it's doesn't require any artistic skill. But when you're talking about memes and getting ideas across, it's part of their subversive power. Yeah, 100%. And there's some sort of magic to it. And the magic isn't creating perfect, beautiful art, although sometimes that can be the magic source in certain cases. But 
for me, the magic sauce is like, it's all, it's almost like you don't know what it is because, and memes talk about this all the time is that you could come up with the best idea. You could just be like, oh, I've got this meme where, you know, sailor is doing this in joke thing with someone else. And it was just this recent topic and it's just perfect. And in your mind, it's hilarious. And it doesn't matter how well you craft it or how many different times and you think it's genius, you put it out there and you get nothing. And then other times you can just randomly post a GIF and, and it just kind of hits home. And um, I find that magic, I don't get it. I don't know what that magic is, but there's, a, it, there's something there that just connects to people. You asked earlier if I knew who Labrahadal or Yellow was. As far as I'm concerned, they're famous. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> and I work with the traditionally famous in my fiat mining job. So how did you all find each other? Yeah, I'm a bit late to the meme factory. I've only been there for, I'm not sure now, maybe a year or so. And they can probably tell the story better. But basically, we had uh, on the meme factory podcast today, actually earlier today, it was Greg's 40th birthday. So we put all, we kind of hijacked the podcast and we had a whole bunch of people come on, Preston, Pish and Q and P and uh, Nico and and uh, we had a whole bunch of people come in, which is fun and roast Greg. When it was my turn to roast, I'm not very good at roasting because I'm too kind. But um, uh, I said to him like, you know, Greg's kind of someone who brings all the misfits of Bitcoin Twitter together, and I think that's just kind of what happened. A few of them got together. Uh, They're all mucking around. They noticed they were had similar humor. They started a chat. And before you know it, I'm sure there's a more fun story that they could tell. But yeah, it just basically was a collection of memers that just started a group chat and just started doing things. Obviously, most famous for starting the Laser Eyes meme, which was Chairforce. Uh, that was a great story. That was um, Chairforce came to the group with an idea and just said, hey, guys, I got this idea. And he had this kangaroo. He said, could someone put Laser Eyes on this kangaroo? And he had this idea for a meme. And then they all just kind of started chatting and they were like, well, how about... I think this was as the bull market was happening. I mean, we were kind of mid bull market where everyone was talking about being 200K, being bearish and like half a million. Oh, you must be a bear. And and they said, okay, well, how about we all just like put on laser eyes one day. We will like, we'll call it and we'll all just do it and we'll just spread it and we'll say laser eyes till 100K. No, laser rays till 100K. And so, yeah, they just kicked it off. I think Greg screwed it up. He like went too early before everyone else. And <laughs> so... But anyway, it got out there and it just caught on. And as you, you know, the rest is history. Like, yes, it's kind of spread throughout the Bitcoin world. That is so good. That is so good. And that's a Greg that's a fuck you, Greg. Yeah, correct. Yeah. If anyone asks me who's Greg, I just say, I don't know if you've ever heard the term anyone say fuck you, Greg. That's the Greg we're talking about. Perfect. For context, I think that's really nice. Good. You have already sort of set up that memes are this magical, mysterious thing, and yet you're unbelievably prolific in a medium that is unpredictable. Or are we just seeing your successes? Maybe that's why there's 10 of us, so we can all just like shoot in the dark and maybe one will stick. Some of them don't propagate, so there's probably a whole heap of memes that you don't see. Like I find it interesting every time I, I watch Simply Bitcoin, I'll get to the meme review. And yeah, it's like they bring up memes that I've seen across Twitter and they're the ones that have kind of become viral in a small echo chamber viral sense. It's all about sharing. It's like sharing the idea of I'll, just, I'll have memes and you don't go out there to, to put out a meme so you can get 100 million likes or anything. It's like a way of expressing yourself. Earlier you were talking about Think Boys. Like the Think Boys do it by putting together podcasts and using big words 
we draw silly pictures and and send them out to make fun of people that are that are you know trying to gaslight the population. Wow, um, that's just I guess our way to express ourselves. No, I fucking love it, and I love it because it's so democratic, right? It's just it literally takes the simplest graphic representation of an idea. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, and send it send it out there with your whatever number of followers you have wild yeah and there's been some memes that have come from out out of you know just regular bitcoiners that have just like put out their ideas and suddenly they're overnight heroes so i love those stories as well there's some uh yeah there's some awesome memes out there we have like a, a little meme group as well with a, with a whole bunch of memes there's a, about 50 memes in there that are just constantly sending pics to each other of different memes and ideas it's like a whole culture underneath the culture. It's like a meme incubator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Something like that. <laughs> so there's collabs happening before we see them. Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes people will post, hey, what do you guys think? Do you think this hits? And someone will say, rope usually. It'll be like a, a meme that has about maybe seven words in it. And a rope will come along and say, well, why don't you just write a book instead? It's like, and, and all right, all right, okay. Uh, I need to bring the seven words down to four. All right, I'll work on it. <laughs> <laughs> Has it been fun to see your stuff? They're easily translated, right? The meme you made in English might suddenly be in Spanish somewhere else. Have you seen those things happen? Do you enjoy watching your meme take form once it's public? Yeah, yeah. The spreading of it is definitely the fun bit. That's part of the addiction of it, I guess. There's still that inner joy, apart from expressing your feelings and ideas. It's like still a hell of a lot of fun when something does do the rounds. It's kind of fun. The one that I, I love, uh, Maxi Club. I don't know if you know Maxi's Club. I don't know. if I was spending probably far too much time with the Think Boys, to be fair. <laughs> I needed that for me to understand this space. But now that I'm kind of pursuing more aesthetically driven and purely aesthetic stuff. I mean, memes are beautiful and amazing and bizarre to me. So I'm really trying to understand them. And you're my guide right now. I feel like you're in that meme at the moment. I'm sure you've heard of this meme as well. Which one of these McConaughey's are you? One to nine, you know, it's got all the different, it's all the different ones. So it sounds like you've been through the the bow tie with the Think Boys and the and then eventually you get to nine where you're just in a Hawaiian shirt sitting on a beach just don't really give a shit. You're just stacking sats and staying humble and, and living life and having enjoying yourself. Yeah, yeah. That's like where, that's where the meanest live. I love it. I guess I, I went to the next place where I needed to contribute. So that's where I am trying to give back a little bit after years and years of just trying to be confident in this bizarre new territory. So I'm giving back where I can here. Well, that's what I love about Bitcoin as well, because... It brings everybody in with whatever skills they have in the in fiat land. I'm an industrial designer, but with a passion for graphic design. When I came into Bitcoin, it's like you, you just, you know, you, you, same thing. You like listen to all the podcasts and you get in, you get, and then you start to get involved in all the culture and, and yeah. And then I started to, started to just put my graphics out there just cause like it was, it was a way to express myself and kind of contribute to the community. And I, I love that about it. Even if you're in finance, the finance bros, you know, they come into Bitcoin they still have someone to offer. They still come in and help you understand how markets work and, you know, where would we be without the macro people giving us a bullish signal. Everybody comes in with whatever skill they have and contributes, and I love that about it. It's like the Citadel meme. We're all coming together and working together to create a new civilization outside the fiat world where we're all we're all bringing our skills. Actually, it reminds me a little bit as well of, of the book Atlas Shrugged. 
and how John Galt just slowly picks all of the people that are contributing to society and getting there. And, you know, he picks those people up and say, well, you know, do you want to contribute to a society and actually contribute to a society and get rewarded for it and have a rewarding life? And it's like that. It's like we're all getting out of the fit world and contributing in a smaller world where actually people appreciate our talents and pay for them. And so I, I love that. Yeah, it's beautiful, right? That you're bringing value into the world. Enough lurking, get out there and throw something out there. Yeah, or enough being a slave and then having someone just take it from you. Um, obviously a deeper discussion, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Now, as a industrial designer, graphic designer, just kind of to help me understand those chops that you're bringing, not necessarily to the meme factory, but you did with really some quite adroitness with the thing you did for Ben with the Christmas special. Yeah. Yeah. I've been doing graphics for heaps of Bitcoiners and it, that's been really enjoyable because one of the most, the fun bits of, of what I do is, you know, kind of reaching out. I get inspired by, um, by certain people and I just get in my, this is kind of how my art comes around. I just get inspired and I, and I have a vision in my mind of an artwork and I just cannot stop until it's done until I hand it over. And I, I fall down this really, really, you know, kind of, this whole where I'm like, I need to do this artwork. I just, I'm so passionate about it and I work on it. And a lot of the time I don't know if, if they're going to use it or if, or if it's even going to be seen, but I just, I, I have to get it out and I have to share it with them. And and so, yeah, Ben was one of the people where he was doing some cool stuff. One of the, the first ones I did for him, which is up on his wall in his studio was the bringing together of the Bitcoin bulls podcast. And it was a Friday episode of why are we bullish? And he had this, killer cast it was like michael saylor and it was preston pish and and price of tomorrow jeff booth and, and american hoddle and some you know some some fun kind of guys as well and and it was just this incredible like what it was oh my oh my god i need i really want to do the the thumbnail for this episode so i um i put it out there i said like i would love to do the thumbnail for this uh, episode and um and he ben is so cool he was just straight away replied and just said man i would be honored and like he knew some of my work and and so yeah I ended up doing that and that was awesome that was super cool uh, and, and then I, I was ended up putting it on posters and you can buy it from my store as well so um so he's got one on his wall and and then i did another one for his christmas special and i did it a while ago and this was a few christmases ago i did the first one and then we had a year there where I missed it. I was just um, under the pump and I, I just happened to miss it. And then I came back strong with the last one where we did another one. Yeah, that's the stuff that I really love. I love doing that where people really appreciate it and where people are just tweeting it and, and retweeting it and saying, holy shit, this is crazy and I can't believe I'm in it. I think all most of the speakers that were in the thumbnail ended up buying a poster. So that was, which is kind of cool. I was like seeing all these um, people that I've seen on Bitcoin conference stages. I see their names pop up in the store saying they bought the poster and that's kind of cool. It had a feeling of almost like a Last Supper. I wonder if the surviving apostles bought copies. If prints could have been made, if they would have all bought copies. Like, that's me. <laughs> that's the dream, right? That'd be great. Like the future historians are like digging up I did a meme once with 
So, because I did an artwork for Greg before I joined the Meme Factory, and I'm pretty sure they added me to the Meme Factory so they could stop paying for my work. Um, but I did this. Um, he asked me to do the Last Supper. They had this really crappy version of the Last Supper where they just photoshopped their heads on all the people at the Last Supper table. It was really big heads and just really shitty editing. And and Greg said, "Hey, what what are the chances you could put together a cooler version of this?" And I straight away I was just like, "Yes, this would be. This is awesome." And um, so I, I put together, it's in some of the meme factory, have them as their Twitter banners. So I did this like realistic version of, uh, of the Last Supper with everyone's heads in there. And eventually I got added to the meme factory. I got asked to join and then Becca joined and then recently Rope as well. So I had to add them in. So that got fun. Then I did this meme where it was this guy who was an archaeologist who was scraping away the dirt of this old tiled mosaic tile that had been found in some ruins. And I put the meme factory artwork of the Last Supper in all the broken tiles and everything. So it looked like he was uncovering. Yeah, it would be great if in a thousand years that they're digging up the citadels of OG Bitcoiners and they're seeing artworks, where, you know, stuff like that. So that's a fun thought. I like it. That's really nice. That, did you have a deep art history background or are you just sort of sensitive to the visual vernacular that populates modernity? I mean, you have a graphic design, industrial design. Are you steeped in art history? When you say art history, I'm not a great art historian, but I definitely fell in love with art from pretty young age. So, you know, during school, it was, I had this one teacher who just happened to teach me a really cool technique with doing line drawings. And I just enjoyed it, enjoyed creating these realistic looking artworks using small lines. And, and, and I just got really just got into it. My parents were quite artistic as well. So it's, it was something I grew up with. And then, um, and then when you're leaving school and someone says to you, uh, oh, so what are you into? And you say, oh, you know, I'm enjoying art and you know, maths and that sort of thing. Oh, you need to be an architect, you know, and you go do work experience with an architect and realize that you're drawing floor plans of bathrooms. And so I ended up looking into different degrees and industrial design was something that really resonated with me, which was basically, especially product design. So, so, you know, industrial design, designed cars, phones, laptops, remote controls, whatever, you know, you name it. Most things that are made in a factory out of multiple parts are usually put together by an industrial designer. So that was kind of fun because the idea of making stuff, uh, you know, designing stuff, making something different every day, that was something that I felt passionate about. So I just kind of went down that path. And then graphics was always a passion I had. I was always stuffing around with people would always ask me to do their birthday invites and themed parties and all that kind of stuff so I was, I was always doing stuff like that in the background and then and then it just kind of turned into digital art and um, creating I just come up with these ideas in my head and I just and I just play them out until they're done so I'm not always as interested in people's sort of Bitcoin stories but when was the point when you said I'm gonna take my skills and apply them to Bitcoin I have a really boring Bitcoin story because, and the reason why it's boring is because it's like 60% or maybe, maybe more than that, maybe 90% of 2017 class of 2017 Bitcoiners. <laughs> right. Cause I'm 2017 too. It's not that your Bitcoin story It's when did you say, all right, now Bitcoin is in me. I figured this out sufficiently, but now I'm going to contribute. I'm going to contribute through mimetic creation or was the first time you sort of rose up into the public consciousness with a meme or was it with something more, let's say, refined? Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. So mine was actually through the process of meeting Tone Vase. So he, it was an interesting story. I was driving to work one day and I saw on Twitter 
uh, I was already mucking around with Bitcoin, Twitter graphics and, and doing people's profile pictures and stuff like that. And, uh, and I was just enjoying it for a bit of fun. And, and Tone put out this ridiculous like a design brief where he had this picture of himself and he said, I need a new profile pic. I want my head turned and I want to have my cat turns this way and I want to be holding a microphone and I want to wear a different shirt. And I would, and it's like a ridiculous request, but it was perfect for me, right? Because this is exactly what I do. This is, if someone says they want to be dressed as Rambo riding a unicorn over a rainbow, it's like, I'm in, I'm your guy. I'm like, I'll make that happen. And so I was like, holy shit. So I got to work and I hid in the corner and trying not to share my screen. And same thing, like the passion took over and I just designed this thing up and pulled the impossible out of this brief and sent it to him. And about a day later, he emailed me and, and I didn't think I'd get a response. As you do, it's like some of these Bitcoin OGs, you, you think, oh, they probably get thousands of messages all day. Like they, you know, but I thought, you know, we'll see what happens. And he messaged me and he said, hey, this was by far the best one that I've received. Like, awesome, I'm using it. Would you be willing to do more paid work for me? And that basically kicked off like a my career because he then funded me, gave me a, an amount of Bitcoin each month and I did his thumbnails, his interview thumbnails, his all of his, um, started doing his conference art. And it was getting to the point where it was becoming a lot of my time and I was doing this all kind of in my own time. So it was it almost had two jobs, or well, I had two jobs basically which was becoming a bit of an issue because I, you know, I had a second kid coming along. So um, I decided to go full-time and just start doing this for a full-time job. So that's kind of when it became, uh, that was the kind of origin story of when it really just started to kick off. Now I've done graphics for, I, I love it. I've, every time I see a big podcast with a whole heap of people, um, you know, I can pretty much look at everyone and say, yeah, I did an artwork for that guy. I did artwork for Saifedean or for Tone or for Jimmy Song or for uh, Nico or, you know, like I can kind of, or Michael Saylor, all of his profile pictures were me, which was a fun one. That's kind of where it kicked off and that's where the passion is, I guess. I can relate a little bit. I shot more than my fair share of weddings of women who worked at Coyote Ugly <laughs> in New York. So that's maybe it doesn't have the same allure to at least not in Bitcoin circles. And prior to that, at the turn of the millennium, I made a bunch of portraits on the streets of New York and almost never would go outside without seeing someone I'd photographed because we were thousands of people. So what a lovely story that is. Are you dropping photography at like conferences and getting involved that way as well? Well, I presented to a little late to Pacific Bitcoin to do a portrait project. And um, I was just late to that party and they were obviously conferences are planned long in advance. But I would like to apply my portrait skills to Bitcoin, as similar to you, to be able to make pictures of all these OGs and all these people that matter to me and, and have changed my life. So I think portraits would be really fun. And I think in a thousand years, just like your archaeologist is finding these weird memes, I would like maybe to have those definitive portraits of these early Bitcoiners. The same way there's a President Lincoln is on the $5 bill based on a photograph. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. You're talking of this passion that takes you. It's twice now. I love that. That's the muses. That's the premise of this podcast. That's this weird thing that so many of the artists of the world, the autists, I almost said. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually true as well. That is 100% true as well. I guarantee you 100% of the main factory are all on the spectrum. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, lovely. And you know what? Maybe we didn't have a name for it before. And maybe we should. It's the same way um, I think computer nerds are a, a branch of photographers. 
right? Cause so, so there's this sort of nerdy version of rendering the world that exists in photography and then computers got invented and it, its first kind of branch came from photographers who were sent off to render the world in this digital code. Nice. I like that. So when that passion is upon you or coming through you, are you aware of it? So, okay. Yeah, I get exactly what you mean. And, uh, and am I aware of it? Yes, because it takes over me. I literally can't do anything else until I've completed it. But can I control it? No. That's the one thing. So I've had a lot of times when someone's come to me with a really cool project and I should be inspired by it. It does sound like an, you know, a fun thing to do. Or, but if, if I don't catch that idea or that thing that really strikes me, then it, yeah, it's, it's actually quite difficult to get started. Once I get started on a project, things start to fire and you, know, you can kind of get into it. But sometimes there's definitely that thing that just absolutely takes over me where I just can't stop until, uh, until it's done. That's a magical feeling. Yeah, that is a magical feeling. And it's an elusive one. I don't think it's unique to the domain of creative people. I'm sure Einstein was consumed. I'm sure that Elon Musk is consumed daily across a huge swath of distractions and, and passions. It's cool. And I like that we use I like that you use the word passion. It feels more heart driven than mind driven. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely and it's and getting paid for art is fun, but gee, you, you do a lot of it for the passion. Like, you know, that's it. Sometimes it's just rewarding to get it out there. And, and in fact, sometimes it's the, the opposite. When someone wants to pay you to do something, it loses a little bit of its magic. I even had that with Michael Saylor. We were doing a bunch of collaborative work and he was sending me some of the thoughts he had to link with artworks. And, but sometimes getting paid for doing the work starts to feel a little bit like a chore and then you get kind of get bogged down in that and you start to put it on the back burner and you'd rather be doing a potato meme of Greg more than more than an inspirational mining artwork for Michael Saylor or something you know it's, it's, sometimes it's weird the other day on, on one of the podcasts um, we had um, one of the Ben's pocket steak Ben Ben Justman he was on the podcast and everyone was changing their their pictures to forklifts because um, Ben was showing off his latest forklift at his winery. And I just suddenly, and Pedro didn't have one in the meme factory. And I just had this straight away. I was like, Pedro, I'm, I'll make it for you. Don't worry. And I went out and did this like perfect realistic Photoshop during the stream of him sitting on a forklift. And Pedro says to me, you know, like there's about four or five other projects I would much prefer you to be doing than putting me on a forklift for a podcast. And it's just like, I'm sorry, man, I can't control it. It's out of my hands. <laughs> um, that is awesome it's funny too because artists we're famous for struggling financially we have all this passion and then the, as you've said the contradiction is as soon as you're being paid for it it sort of takes the wind out of the sails <laughs> i mean are we forever in this dichotomy or yeah it is a good question <laughs> well so when you think about it it happens quite a lot you know apart from Obviously, uh, you're really high-flying music artists or something, but... Um... Yeah, it's the sophomore album problem. They come onto the scene, and then that second album is often never the same because they're now flush with cash. And, or like, you know, the famous artists that end up only getting famous after they're dead and they died poor or something, you know, it's like, uh, yeah. Well, maybe because this... I, I mean, do we call memes, memeing an art form? Yeah, yeah, memetics. Yeah, for a few terms. Yeah. In the future, do you see yourself in an art museum? 
a thousand years from now when the archaeologist, is he going and is he going to put it in the Museum of Natural History or is he going to put it in the Metropolitan Museum of Art? Yeah, yeah, I, I get what you mean. Yeah, it's interesting. That's a tough question. Like, So you look at someone like, so Michael Saylor turns out to be maybe when we have our next bull run, say 20 years, and when if we do get this whole hyper-Bitcoinization meme that everyone likes to talk about, and he becomes the, you know, the one that was like, holy shit, he was right. And he's basically become the richest man in the world doing it. And, and he's making a difference with free education. And you never know, like maybe in a 100, 200 years time, there's a picture of his profile picture with his laser eyes and his electrified profile pic that I did for him up on a wall somewhere, you know, like, that could be cool. I don't know what uh, some of these memes would end up in. I don't know either. A museum. Yeah, a museum, right? Maybe a whole new category. Yeah. Just the way these memes are sort of taking on a whole new category. Yeah. And because they're so, let's say, rough and tumble and spontaneous and true, they don't need to be deeply aesthetic. Because every Bitcoiner who's read Seyfedean's The Bitcoin Standard, and they get to the bit about Rothko, and I've interviewed Jimmy Song just lambasting modern art, Memes are modern art, and they are deeply non-aesthetic. All the things that bother him about the duct tape banana, on an aesthetic level, mimic themselves in memes. And yet, we love them. They make us laugh. Is it the humor that gives them the pass? Yeah. Look, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. No, 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 no. These are my questions, because we're like this, it's fucking shit, and, but it's awesome, and I just saved it on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a full Seyfedean kind of all modern art is an abomination, uh, <laughs> but it gives me NFT vibes when I see someone selling a banana taped to a wall. So I'm very conscious of that. If there's a strong enough idea behind it and it creates a movement, then sure, it becomes a symbol and, and that symbol means something to a lot of people and therefore I can see the value in that. If it's an artist that got famous for doing realistic paintings of, and then one day paints a canvas black and sells it for $5 million, obviously that kind of shits me a little bit. <laughs> or like Hunter Biden selling uh, finger paintings for $500,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Now it's pure money laundering at that point, <laughs> which he's, yeah. he's obviously very good at. Yeah. In posing the question and hearing your answer, I think the duct tape, Banana, it actually has a title called The Comedian. It is such an obscure little rarefied piece of effete nonsense that it's talking to, whereas memes tap millions of people instantaneously. It doesn't have any pretense attached. I think that's part of their charm and their power. Yeah, they're not asking anything of you. Yeah, I agree with that. They're there for you to connect with if you do or if you don't. Yeah, and I do love that they are constrained by a little square. They have to sort of show up in your feed. They have to be quick. There's a beautiful efficiency of design to them. Yeah, you have to use the impact font. <laughs> it's like there's certain fonts that you, you have to use. Otherwise, it doesn't look meme enough. I struggle with that one because I... This is my problem with memes a lot of the time is I, I come up with this idea for a meme and, and I'll do like some uh, font that just happens to be in the, the same timeline as the subject of the meme. And it's like, nah, and it now just looks like an ad on Twitter and so, you know, like, and people just brush past it. You got to have that dodgy editing. You got to have that white space, that black box at the bottom, the white impact font. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> There's something about that template. There's something about that template. It's almost when you're in a foreign city and you can kind of from a distance know that, oh, that's the pharmacy over there, or that's, you can spot them a mile away. <laughs> 
Yeah, 100%. So I guess then of late, you've been making plushies, which is an interesting divergence. Yeah, yeah. There's another. Um, what I started to get really into is the Bitcoin culture as well. So a lot of the memes were making fun of central bankers and all this kind of stuff. But there's also that side of it where you just do it for the echo chamber and the culture itself. And I think that's important as well, right? So like uh, the culture around Bitcoin is fun. It's, you know, everyone's joking with each other. Uh, I like to kind of encourage that. And, and, that, and I, I find a lot of joy in doing that sort of stuff, making people laugh. And um, yeah, the, the plushie came, I was chatting to Yellow one afternoon and I said, Yellow, Yellow, I got this idea. It's like, it's probably one of the muse hits that I got and I had to do it before I even got his permission. I'd already started drawing it up and, and you know, kind of drawing up this brief and sketching ideas and fabrics and samples. And I was, and I was just, yeah. And yeah, got the okay from, we count with a deal with the meme factor and we all chipped in and, and um, we brought Yellow to life in plushie format. <laughs> which was fun. It was, it was a fun project. We went through about four different prototypes. We ended up selling one of the prototypes in an auction, which um, Bitcoin Baklava, what's his? Um, uh, Mandrick. Yeah, Mandrick ended up winning the auction. So that paid for, he's a, he's a massive art collector. I don't know if you've talked to him before, but he'd be an interesting person to chat to about art. But uh, yeah, he bought it. And uh, so it's sitting pride of place above his block clock on his art wall. Oh, that's cool. And then we went mass production and we made 250 of them. I think there's about 150 left. So if you need one for your back shelf, you can, you know, waterofrusty.com. <laughs> but I've started to see them now. There's one, uh, BTC Sessions has one behind him in his podcast now. There's one on the bar behind um, PubKey in New York, behind the bar. There's like, so they're just popping up. They, they pop up on Simply Bitcoin every second episode. I love that they're kind of spreading around and... It's a bit of fun. It's kind of fun to watch this mimetic energy in the third dimension right here with us. <laughs> that's an interesting thought. Yeah, yeah. True. Well, bringing it to life, right? That's where, that's how I was describing it. Yeah, yeah. And that was the project, bringing yellow to life. Because we're all big yellow fans at heart. He's a character and a half. He is. And it goes back to that Sapiens idea too, where this is kind of like the gossip. It's how do you respond to real life yellow do you get it do you already know is it making you smile are you curious what is this right you can quickly adjust your conversations with that person based on their response to that thing in real life yeah that's, that's cool i was delighted the other day at PubKey because yellow was holding a bitcoin muse postcard oh there you go look at that we're crossing worlds in real life look at that didn't know that that's awesome it's a fairly dynamic um, shrine there. So who knows when I get home again, what it'll be. Yeah. They asked me if, if I wanted to do some more work together with, you know, maybe with with the yellow plushies. I was thinking about maybe sending them a box and they can sell them while people are drunk and have that moment where they're just like, hell yeah, I want a yellow plushie. And then take them around New York City drunk at night. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think it'd be really cool if they offered yellows for sale there. It seems the appropriate place. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Cool. Well, look, I'm going to call you Rusty or what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rusty. Yeah. Rusty is my alter ego, basically. <laughs> I like it. it. The name came about when I first got onto uh, Twitter in coincidentally 2009. And it was like, what do you call yourself? And Twitter back then was basically like a diary of what you were doing at the time. And so people could follow, you know, your life and you could follow other people's lives and see what they were up to and doing things. So I was just like, okay, well, I'll just be like, this is basically the world of Rusty. <laughs> so and then it just stuck. So. It works. Are you over on Noster now too? 
Yeah, I don't use it very often. So I had a lot of discussions about it because it is a bit of a just talking to Bitcoiners. The memers have this kind of thought that, yeah, it's great that we're jumping to a, a decentralized platform. And I think as it grows, that'll be fantastic. So I, I poke my head in now and then, but I mean, I guess you just get more of the normie contact. I can reply to, I'm a reply guy to all of my Australian outlets on Twitter whenever they post something saying, do you think that we should have more ATMs in the city so that people can have cash? And it's like, you know, it's like, okay, well, I've, I've got a few things to talk about here. So, <laughs> so I, I like to get in the face of journalists and yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to an API where I can just sort of go back and forth, right? Obviously, I need an audience. Memes need an audience. And as Noster grows, it's obviously just a fledgling affair. But it shows great promise. That's why I ask. But I think that memes require normies. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's the idea. Because normies are too, they're the fertile ground. That's where obviously a certain amount of memes are just reinforcing our belief systems. But I think that they are unbelievably persuasive and not in a propagandistic way because they're so informal. They need normies to propagate. Well, they're not propaganda because they're based on truth. That's the thing. Like That's the difference between propaganda and memes. When Joe Biden posts about how he's made the economy better and after sending, you know, half a whatever trillion dollars overseas, to, you know, it's like uh, you can't help it but drop a few memes in there. And I think that's good because the normies will go, oh, okay, okay, yeah. They see it enough times and they see these Bitcoin guys coming in, dropping memes and they, they you know, they're getting it. There's like a point of contact. It's just like multiple touch points. Just keep it going. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. I think the propaganda idea is a tricky one too because it's loosely defined and I've spoken to some artists who say, absolutely, I'm a propagandist. I'm trying to persuade because that's their definition. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good, it's a good way to think about it, I guess. Yeah. It's hard to know. And maybe propaganda is like anything, like conspiracy theory, that it comes with negative connotations, but all it really means is persuading through a veil of aesthetics or whatever. Yeah. That's, I think that's the negative connotation is what I was thinking. You say propaganda and we're thinking world war trying to convince people to sign up and or go to war with other you know we've got negative connotations with it yeah for yeah, sure yeah i know you're uh, tight for time and i just appreciate your enthusiasm your pa let's go with your passion man i like it yeah that's me it's infectious and i appreciate it and i look forward to shaking your hand and seeing a box of plushies at pub key is gonna make my day yeah i'm gonna send a whole bunch to becca i don't know if you know bitcoin becca but i'm gonna send a bunch to her she goes to a lot of meetups so i'm sure she'll be a very good saleswoman handing out plushies. So hopefully we'll see more of them. I know it'll what'll happen is it'll get down to the last like 50 and then all of a sudden everyone will FOMO in Yeah, because that's what Bitcoiners are. <laughs> of all the people in the world, for Yellow to be the guy, just because his voice and his whole demeanor is so outrageous, I kind of love it. He's a Bitcoiner's Kermit. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I love it. Yeah, I enjoy it. Doesn't matter how much I hear him, I enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Rusty, man. Thank you for your time today, man. It was awesome. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks, Clay. It was awesome to meet you. There you have it. Be sure to follow Rusty on Twitter at World of Rusty and check out his website, worldofrusty.com. Thanks to my brother for the music. Thanks to you for listening. And thanks to Rusty for sharing his time, energy, and guidance with the Bitcoin news. Onward.